It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07. On a Saturday morning, 55 degrees outside. Going to be colder this weekend than it is right now. Temperatures dropping like a rock over the next couple of nights. But right now, relatively pleasant outside and a great time to talk about what you could be doing in your garden, what you should or might not want to or have done in the past, or just have a question about whatever you have to do with gardening. And that would be where I come in because I'm the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to answer your questions at 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750. The end of that telephone line is where you get all of your gardening questions asked. No matter if it's about pest control or flowers or lawns or whether to plant lawns or whether to plant trees or what the new drought regulations are or what's going on in the garden right now, 404-872-0750. I'll tell you what's going on right now all over my neighborhood, as yours probably too, is leaves are losing, or trees, excuse me, leaves are falling from trees. Trees are losing their leaves at a pretty rapid clip right now. And one of the things that I just get a kick out of, I just like seeing this, and that is ginkgo trees. You know what a ginkgo tree is, right? It's the really bright butter yellow leaves that are shaped like a triangle, sort of triangular leaves, ginkgo trees, and they're really, really pretty. And when they drop their leaves, one of the things that I get a kick out of is the leaves all fall at once, boom, and they're down. Whether it's most other trees, you know, your maple tree or hickory tree or oak tree or something like that, it takes weeks and underneath my sweet gum tree. It's been three weeks that I've been blowing up and raking up and bagging up all those leaves underneath my sweet gum tree. But for our ginkgo, if you own a ginkgo, you will have leaves. You'll admire them for a day or two. They're so yellow and pretty. And then you can rake them all up and they're gone. It's the end of the story. No more leaves on the ginkgo tree. So I wanted to find out why that happens. You know, I'm the kind of guy, I just have to see it happening. I want to know why it happens. And it was very interesting to get a summary of why ginkgo trees behave the way they do. Some of you know that ginkgos are one of the oldest species of plants around. They were around, and there, there were several other, species, other uh, genus of, of ginkgos back during the dinosaur reign. Dinosaurs were eating ginkgo leaves. That's true. They found it in you know, the prehistoric records of uh, uh, these leaves that are embedded in, in mud and things like that. So the ginkgo tree itself is just a very, very, very old tree. And what seems to happen is with the newer deciduous trees, the newer the oaks and the sweet gums and the hickories and things like that, when they sense that the day length is shortening, when they sense that the night is lengthening and the day is shortening, and that's in the fall, the trees know that, well, that must mean <laughs> that something like cold weather, ice, snow perhaps, is going to arrive pretty soon. And that would be a bad thing if the leaves were all on the tree because the leaves would then get covered in ice and pull the limbs down and the tree would not be healthy and wouldn't maybe survive even. And so the trees have, over the millennia, evolved a way of dealing with cold weather and ice and snow. They lose their leaves before winter time comes. 
And the way they know winter is coming is because the day length is shortening and the night length is lengthening. And so these deciduous trees, the common deciduous trees like sweet gum and maple, they began ah, back in September, really, making a little scar right at the base of the leaf, right where the leaf stem hits the twig, and they make a little scar there. And they thicken it up and thicken it up and thicken it up until that scar is so thick and, and impermeable to anything going on during the wintertime that the leaf itself just falls off. That little scar pushes the leaf off, boom, and it comes off. Now this happens usually from the top of the tree down, usually from the outer edge of the tree in. That's the usual pattern for dropping leaves, top down, outside, in. And they drop the leaves gradually as the various parts of the tree get more exposure to day length and to temperature and things like that. On the other hand, ginkgo trees, they got the leaves, yeah, sure. The leaves want to react somehow to the shortening of days, but because ginkgo trees are so, so, so old, what they do is they build their calluses, build their scars, build that little division between the leaf and the twig to break off all at once. In other words, they build it to such a thickness just real quickly so that the day comes, all the leaves have the same thickness of scar right there, and all of a sudden a little breeze comes in that ginkgo tree, all the leaves, all those beautiful yellow leaves drop down out of the ginkgo. And that's what I admire. That's what I love. If you've been to the High Museum of Art here in Atlanta, there are two big, big ginkgo trees by the High Museum here in Atlanta, you'll be really impressed with what the leaves look like in front of them if you see that. Used to be back at the uh, University of Georgia in front of Sewell Hall, there was a monster, monster ginkgo tree there that drops its leaves every fall, big yellow carpet underneath the tree. It was really interesting to see. So there's the story. That's what I learned yesterday as I was watching the leaves fall from the trees in my house. Why did the ginkgo follow, fall so quickly and why did the other trees fall so slowly? Just a difference in their age and millennially speaking, and a difference in their response to day length and how they prepare for winter. Yeah, if you want to see some pictures of uh, ginkgo leaves and maybe even see a video, I have a video on my website. Go to WalterReeves.com, just type the word ginkgo, and uh, it'll have a couple of, of articles about leaves, and one of them in particular has all the leaf shapes and a video of why and how those leaves fall all at once. Let's go to the phones. We got who we have one, two, three, four, five. Five people waiting in line, but first in line, of course, our friend from Griffin, Nicole. Good morning, Nicole. Mr. Reeves. Ms. Nicole, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, exactly my subject this morning. What is your subject? Uh the collar of the tree. The That's collar. our best time. Yeah. All right, the collar of the tree. I call the now there are two different two different places on a tree that I've heard intelligent people refer to as the collar. One is the place where a limb comes out of the trunk. The other is the place where the trunk comes out of the ground. So which collar are you talking about? Well, it's more collars like... Uh, oh, collar yellow. of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Who's from Toronto around here? <laughs> it's hard for me to say this word. But anyway, if it's sunny like yesterday and the day before, boy, they're just yeah. showing big time orange and all kind of collars. <laughs> <laughs> the collars and the colors. <laughs> uh, same thing, isn't it? Yes, yeah, the same thing. It doesn't have anything to do with the limbs and the trunk. It has to do with their colors, the red, the orange, the yellow. <laughs> you know, I am not jealous of anybody, of everything, nothing at all. I don't have yeah. no jealousy in me, yeah. except <laughs> uh, this tree that I have in front of my house yeah. every year. It's just a bad specimen. 
Uh-huh. Now, you know, I'm going to do it. Have it so again. You know, when you said the first 10 years you make a mistake, yeah. I did the same thing. Why did, why did you play it? What is this tree that's in front well, of you? Well, it was supposed to be a maple tree, but oh, every wow. year I got so disappointed. And this year it's got black rock in it. You know where the chainsaw is going to go, okay? Then I saw in the yard, you cut it maybe seven or eight feet high, and you put some birdhouse on top of it, and I thought it was so pretty. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do this year. <laughs> You're going to decorate it the way you want to, whether it wants to or not. Yes. Do you think it's going to come up from the from the roots underneath? Uh, maples? <laughs> they come up from roots. I'll tell you the tree that I admired yesterday. And, Nicole, there are so many times when I see something that I wish to goodness I was not going 60 miles an hour and had a place to... To pull off, but yesterday I saw a crepe myrtle, and it was as red as the University of Georgia football lineman's helmet. It was red, and I wish that I could stop and take a picture of that particular crepe myrtle, but I was going way too fast down a road. There wasn't any place to pull off, and I wouldn't be back, and so crepe myrtles have delicious, wonderful color in the fall. It's because if they are by themselves in the middle of the field, that's what a color is, but if it's too shady... Like mine, yeah. they just drop their leaves, no colors. I think you're right. I think it has something to do with what I was saying earlier. The environmental conditions determine not only leaf drop, but sometimes uh, uh, color change, too, because I have a picture. In fact, actually, my sister sent me a picture the other day. She said, this tree is undecided, and half the tree had turned color, and the other half of the tree was still green. That happens because the way the sunlight hits the trees, the way the temperature changes around the leaves from other trees surrounding it. Or some of the trees that kept their bright green in the middle and outside yellow. and Yeah, yeah. Still exposure to the environment and the elements, that's what causes the change of the leaf and falling of the leaf. So when you choose a maple tree or any other tree, look at the root balls to see if it's not ruled down. It's never going to be a good tree. No. I'll tell you another thing about color as far as color goes. Um, a friend of mine, neighbor of mine, had a pretty big tree. It was an oak, actually, that was cut down in her backyard. And she wanted a maple that had good color. And fortunately, the time that the tree was cut down was, I think it was August, early September or something. And I said, well, great. Here's, here's what I think we should do. Down below the house, there is a big mm, creek side. It has lots of maple trees beside it. Let's wait until the trees turn color and choose the one that's the right size to transplant and the one that has the best color on it. That's the one that will go to your yard. And sure enough, we waited until October. We waited until the tree color had formed. And you could walk amongst those maples. You could say, this one has a pretty color. This one does not have a pretty color. And we transplanted the one that had the best color. And now I saw it the other day. It looks really nice. Chosen by color. Yes, boy, whatever we make mistake, we just pay for it for the rest of our life. Oh, with trees, yeah, with trees. <sighs> One mistake in, in young adulthood becomes a mistake you regret when you're old. And people will sell you anything. <laughs> you knew that. You're old enough to know that people will sell you just about anything just to take the money out of your pocket. Nicole, it is 618, so i got to go. But it's great talking to you again. Enjoy your day and Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. The collars, the collars of Thanksgiving will soon be with us. We'll see you soon. It's 618. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be 
covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Chewing on a piece of grass, walking down the road. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today is the day. If you're going outside, you better layer up a little bit. Mother Nature seems to have turned on the air conditioner over the last day, and certainly tonight. Expects partly cloudy skies throughout the day. Plenty of wind gusts. Afternoon highs reaching the mid-50s. Tonight, clear, cold, lows dropping into the mid-30s, and a wind chill factor that will make it <laughs> Almost colder than that. Stay tuned. At last, most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Tomorrow, of course, is Sunday. You can pick up your Sunday AJC. And the newspaper continues its series on doctors and sex abuse. A 50-state report card to find out how other states have done with it, as well as Georgia, too. Let's go to the phones. We've got uh, Nancy in Alpharetta who joins us. Hey, Nancy. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fine, Nancy. How can I help? Well, I've got some critter problems. Um, I've got, I think, a family of molds that are tilling up my backyard, and I I put down some fox urine pellets last night. Okay. And I'm wondering, A, should I pursue that? Do you think it's worth it? And I've also got squirrels that are digging moats around my new bushes. (laughs) Um, And I'm wondering if the fox urine pellets would work for the squirrels as well, or should I just trap them? Tell me what you you said. You think you had moles digging up your yard. Give me some symptoms. Describe what the damage looks like in your yard. It's um, My backyard is total mush with the tunnels. And the tunnels are and all I, underground. You don't see any above all ground. All underground. Anything. Well, and then some, they're they're coming up a little bit. I mean, I see little holes where they're peeking their heads through, and I yeah. stomp them down every night. Okay. And the next day, they're they're all back. <sighs> I don't know that science has actually said that fox urine has much repellent activity at all. Let's put it that way. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, fox urine is sold and touted and promised that it will drive all the squirrels and everything else in your yard away. But honestly, I'm not sure that it's going to work for you. My solution to moles, as you probably heard me before say, is stomp down the tunnels enough so they finally go to somebody else's yard. Traps might work if you can figure out where they are. Poisons hardly ever work. (sighs) Moles are pretty hard. Squirrels, fox urine, maybe. Try it. Tell you what, do me a favor, Nancy. Call me back in about three months and let me know if it worked. All right, do that for me. If you can do that, I would really love to hear whether or not fox urine did anything at all. If you'll call me back, we'd love to hear from you. It's 628 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Fur coats from my sarmate. Fur is nice, but I like suede. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 635, 55 degrees outside. This will be the high for most of the day, just a few more degrees this afternoon. And then tonight, plunging down into the 30s, it's going to be chilly-willy this weekend. Prepare for that. If you have Meyer lemon trees outside, yep, bring them in. they got to come in. We're not leaving any of our tropicals outside the houseplants you had on the patio. Anything you want to save, bring them in. 
because tomorrow they're not going to be so happy. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. Our number is 404-872-0750, an easy call to make, and lots of questions and answers coming up. Eleanor, Eleanor is in Decatur and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Eleanor, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you? Hey, I'm fine. What can I do for you? I've got two Lady Banks roses on an arbor yeah. in front of the magnolia, and my question has to do uh, specifically with the drought. That it's just gotten ridiculously tall. The shoots <laughs> go up into the magnolia. It's about <laughs> twenty years old. The Banks roses are about twenty years old. Yeah. They they go down through a Kwanzaa cherry. Should I? I'm worried about it. It's one of my favorite plants in my landscape. Should I trim off those longest branches? Um, to help it through the drought, or, or what can I do? Is it wilting? Is it showing any damage? It's from not. The it's it's not. It is a tough plant for listeners who are actually wondering a little bit about this vigorous vine. Lady Banks Rose is one of those roses that is remarkable in a couple of ways. Number one, it has no thorns. This is a great thing about a rose. It has no thorns. It's fabulous. And number two, it is vigorous beyond belief. It will climb over, under, around, and through anything you have on your landscape around it. And that is then Eleanor's question. Is, should I prune it now? Is the drought going to hurt it? What's going on? You know, Eleanor, it is so tough. If it is not showing any stress from the dry weather, I would leave it alone and simply wait until after it's bloomed next year. You can show your neighbors about the flowers in the magnolia tree. You can show all the, all the highlights of your Lady Banks rose next year. It blooms early, as you know. Um, and prune it after that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, it's just, it was one of my favorites, and that's why I was asking. Okay, thank you. I'm very interested now, because of the length of the drought that we've had, but I'm very interested now to see what damage is done to plants. And one of the plants that I answered a question and answer in the paper this past week was a lady whose uh, oak leaf hydrangea was just brown and crispy throughout. And I've got one in the backyard, pretty exposed to sunshine, same way, just brown and crispy. And I gave her some advice about what to do with that. And I'm curious now about trees and how they're responding to drought and how grasses and things like that respond, because that gives me some ammunition for what next year is inevitably going to be a lot of questions next uh, spring, summer, fall of what happened to my tree. And I can refer back to October, November of 2016 and say, well, the drought, it did this, it did this, it did this. So, yeah, like you, we're all observing and learning and seeing what happens when a drought occurs. Mm. Yeah, I've already lost three young rhododendrons. Ooh, I hate to see that. But, yeah. You know, rhodes are not all that drought tolerant when they're not near a source of constant water. So that's sort of to be expected, I guess. All right. Well, thanks, Walter. You bet, Eleanor. Thanks for calling. Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Eleanor's place. Jean is in Lawrenceville, and Jean joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gino. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. How can I help? Celeste says, tell you hello. Well, you tell Celeste I, back to me. I said hello. What's going on? Someone gave me a white beautyberry. Is it too late to put it in the ground? No, sir. It's time. As long as you can water. And don't forget, I get to jump up on my soapbox for a minute here, Gene. The okay. watering restrictions that were announced this week specifically say that you can water newly planted things no matter what the day, no matter what the time, newly planted shrubs, trees, flowers, anything you want to plant, sod, can be watered for 30 days after planting. So this beautyberry 
you know, it's a new one. You're going to have to water it pretty frequently, but you don't have to worry about running afoul of the new water regulations. You simply okay. water as needed. All right, sir. That sounds good. What kind of beauty berry is it, Gene? American, Oriental? What's it? What I have no idea. And they just <laughs> said it's a white beauty berry. All right, white beauty berry. And that is the one that, to me, resprouts more readily. I see more little seedlings of the white beauty berry around my yard than I do of the a purple one that I have back in sort of the edge of the woods. So, yeah, the white one, somebody had one and said, Oh, Gene, look, I got a white beauty bear. Would you like? And you got it. All right. And uh, just a little bit of information. I made uh, a positive, one positive out of the uh, drought. What is that? Uh, since I emptied all my rain barrels, I took the chance to take them down, wash them out, and clean them off and yeah. repaint them. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the rain disfiguring your paint, ruining your paint job, do you? No, it's a good time to do all of that. And no mosquitoes, too. You'll notice there are no mosquitoes out as well. So two things the drought has given to us. Jeez, all right. Well, great, it's good to talk to you. You have a good Thanksgiving. We'll see you the same. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Larry is down in Rex in Clayton County and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Larry, good morning. Morning, Walter. How you doing? Hey, man, all right. What's up? Okay, I uh, took a soil sample to my extension service a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I took the, uh, I went to a couple couple places in my yard and um, put and put them in a uh, freezer bag. Took it to them at the extension service, got a report back about a week and a half later, and I got two test results. Hmm. And they're identical. The uh, phosphorus, potassium, calcium, magnesium, and zinc are all the same on both tests. All right. The the uh, the lime is different, hmm. and it says that the uh, on the first sheet it says the recommended uh, pH is five point five to six point five, yeah. and my pH is five point three. On the second sheet, everything's the same except for the recommended pH on the lime, and it says the recommended pH is 5.0 to 6.0, and it okay. says that it does not need lime, and the first sheet said that it needs lime. So, And uh, was it different plants that you submitted it for? or this grass. Just straight grass. You said, I want to grow fescue or what kind of grass? It's a centipede. Yeah. I got it from, from a couple of uh, places in my front yard. I mixed it all up in a freezer bag. Yeah. And... Well, there's some explanation to me when you – soil sampling is not the most exact thing in the world because it all depends on how uniformly and how randomly you took the samples from your yard. And it is possible that when you take samples and you just happen for who knows why, you just went to the same place nearby twice or hit the same sort of soil twice and it had a little more subsoil mixed in with the topsoil than you anticipated. Subsoil is naturally more acidic. Subsoil has a has a pH of around 5.2 to 5.5, something like that. And so if you get a little bit more subsoil in your sample, then the pH readings come back and say, oh man, you got acidic soil. You need to add some lime. On the other hand, centipede grass as a grass doesn't particularly care anything above 5.5, and centipede is reasonably happy. Although I have seen some research that shows that centipede limed up to about a 6.0 actually can do better in the right situation than centipede growing on, on acid soil. So, bottom line, the recommendation that says to add, did you say one of them says to add a little bit of lime, Larry? Right. All right. And if, the other one says that. To not 
it, I bet it is not needed. If I were you, I would add. Okay. Because having seen the research about centipede responding somewhat to a little bit higher pH, a little bit higher pH meaning 5.8 to 6.0, and the area that you got that sample from just for whatever random reason have had a little bit more acidic soil in it, oh, no big deal. It's not going to hurt your lawn particularly to raise the pH some. And it is worse for it to be low pH than it is to be high pH. Okay. So that's what I would do. I'd put the lime out. And when would you do this? In the spring? When is it? Yeah, tomorrow, this afternoon, whenever you want to. It, it takes a while. It watered in? Yeah, it, it, you don't have to be watered in. Just wait for the rain. It's going to come eventually. We know, we hope, we pray that the rain will come eventually. Um, if you want to water it in, okay. Remember, we do have rules. You can only right. do it even and odd and, you know, certain times and all that. But if you want to just leave it out there and wait or anything you want to do, it takes about two, a month or two even to dissolve into the soil. It takes a while to start getting down into the soil. So sooner rather than later, right. but whatever you want to do. I'll wait until it starts raining and yeah, put man. the lime on it. Put it out. Thank you, Walter. All right, Larry. See you Bye. soon. It's 6.45. we got time. Sure we do. For Linda to come in. Linda's from Canton, Georgia, and Linda's on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Linda. Hi there. Hi. I uh, have a hibiscus that I planted about two months ago, and it was bright yellow with red in the center. Nice. And it, it's beautiful, and it's just loaded with blooms, but now they've turned a school bus, a school bus orange. Huh. Is there something I can add to keep that pretty yellow? Let me just make sure, Linda, that we're not talking about a tropical hibiscus. Is this one you have in the ground or in a pot? It's in the ground outside. Is it possible this is a tropical hibiscus you got from a grocery store or a big box store? No, I got it from Lowell. Okay. But is it, does, do you remember any labeling it saying it is tropical? It might be. I'm not sure. But it's just loaded. It's probably got 50 buds on it and about six in bloom on it now. Yeah. My suspicion is, Linda, that this is a tropical hibiscus, because that would be typical for tropical hibisci, if that's the plural, right now to have lots of flowers on it, because they don't have much of a diminishment of flowering during the fall of the year in the tropics where they grow. But that word tropical tells me something that you should know, too, tonight, Temperature is down in the 30s, and that tropical right. business is going to be zoom. It's going to be out of here. Okay, by I was Monday. going to put plastic over it, but uh, maybe I need to just dig it up and bring it in then. But it's beautiful. But how would I get that pretty yellow back? Uh, better watering, and I think that some of that may be a reaction to day length and things that you can't control. But if you're going to move it, I would do it this afternoon. Do not wait for tonight. The best okay. way to do it, honestly, would be to soak it real good. Go out there right after we finish talking, if you can see in the dark, and put a hose <laughs> to trickle water onto the root system and just soften it up really, really well so that by, I don't know, noon today, the soil is really soggy. And when it's really soggy, then you can dig it up pretty easily, put it in a pretty large pot, like an 18-inch pot maybe, even 24-inch okay. pot would be nice, and find a sunny room inside to put it in. And... December, do not call me and say, Mr. Reeves, my hibiscus has lost about half of its leaves because that's what it will do. So, you know, put a newspaper underneath to catch all the leaves off of it. But eventually it'll get used to being in the house. It'll bloom a little bit more inside the house. Next spring, April comes, put it back outside and enjoy it all summer. Okay, can I ask one more question about my hydrangea? 15 seconds long. Let's go. Okay. It's one that blooms all summer long. Yeah. 
and it's still making little bitty buds. I've been trying to water, but I haven't been real regular at it. Mm. But it's still, it's blooming. Keep watering. Keep watering on, again, following the watering regulations. I'll talk about that a little bit more at the top of the hour. But, yeah, watering regulations say when you can and when you can't, but it does need watering because hydrangeas are forming the blooms and the buds for next year's big flowering right now. All right, it's 648. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. You know how it is when you, in the summertime, you open up the freezer door and then you cut it real shut it real quick because it's really cold on your skin that's what's going to be today and tonight it's going to be cold it's going to get down to the well this afternoon going to the mid 50s and overnight dropping down to the mid 30s yes indeed it's going to seem pretty cold a little wind here and there to make it seem even colder stay tuned before weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb don't forget the pregame show for the university of georgia bulldogs begins at 8 a.m this morning so if you have a garden question Get it in between now and 8 o'clock. Gary is in Locust Grove and joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gary. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Uh, I've got an armadillo problem. <laughs> Seems like I've lived here 10 years, never had an armadillo problem, but now he's tearing up my lawn my garden. And my neighbor's kids uh, actually caught it, or uh, caught one armadillo, two weeks ago and dropped right. it off further in the forest. But... It started again. I got repels all from Lowe's. Doesn't seem to work. Any ideas? How do they catch the armadillo in the first place? Um, they're, they're pretty stupid. Yeah. They actually put a little loose around, uh, you know, a little noose or a loose. Anyway, they they put them. They we we took two brooms and swept them into a cage. Oh man! And, and then they took them off. But I don't know if it's the same armadillo or another. I got a forest behind me, but even though I have a fence, my neighbors don't. So. Yeah. Is it's probably not behind me. Probably not the same armadillo. Probably but not. The next one that you catch, you get some orange spray paint, paint one or Bob or Mom or something on the back, and uh, then take it away and see if he comes back because you could tell what's there. I did the same thing with squirrels. I was capturing squirrels and wondering how far I had to get them away from the house, and so I spray paint their tails orange. A half a mile from the house was not enough. Two miles from the house, never saw them again. Armadillos, though, are, as you say, not the most intelligent, and I think getting two or three miles away is probably okay in a practical sense. In a legal sense, you are supposed to euthanize them, Gary, so I need to remind you of that. You can introduce diseases and other things to the population two or three miles away. So legally, you're supposed to euthanize them. I will leave it up to you to decide what to do with the next one, other than you got to put some paint on the back so we know if he's coming back or not. How do I keep them away? There's not a repellent for them. You trap them and you get them out. You trap oh, them and remove. That's it. There's no repellent for them at all. Okay, Walter. Thank you. All right, man. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. In the middle of a little old country road. An old brown bottle and a puddle of the cattle guard. A Junebug beetle in the bottom of the bottle of the big armadillo in the middle of a little old country road that I am traveling on. 